This Saturday night at Rumba Cafe, we're having a lampshade media party with Johnny Collins, Chris Dowdy, Samantha Sizemore, and Angie Healy. My dad wasn't a rapper, but he was buying a lot of crack. He was... It's more than just a comedy show. It's going to be a dance party. We got Governor spinning tins after the show. It's going to be the best after party in town. And that's how you make a girl come. <laughs> Doors at 8, show at 9. Get your tickets now. This is Lampshade Media Presents Mel's Big House. Ryan Branch, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents Mel's Big House. Uh, it's it's an honor being in your wait a, a big big house. It's uh it's a big big house where we can play football. Uh, is it a big big house like Elvis jail cell, or is it like a large <laughs> large house like a, a a red dog or a comfy couch? <laughs> I, if you grew up uh, anywhere near the Christian conservative uh, scene in the suburbs Thankfully, in the nineties, uh, you would immediately understand that that is a reference to uh, the number one hit by Audio Adrenaline, "Big Big House." It's my father's house. They're talking about heaven, and uh, you get to go there and play football, and there's lots of food and fun shit to do. Cool. Let's go right now. You you got yeah. the poison? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I made some Jello. <laughs> this is a questionable title. I... <laughs> you don't, man. Okay. You know that I'm partially here because of baseball, not football, right? <gasps> yeah, yeah, I do, I do, and like you know, we can, you know. I'm let give me give me a little time just to kind of like let my heart you know work on your on your non acceptance of that. But, I came here to make your heart work on my non acceptance. <laughs> I appreciate you you know putting your boundaries out there you know yeah and uh, being assertive. I really do you know and I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna think about things here you know I'm gonna you know you I, think I just gotta I'll process. Work on your heart. This will this will be a good show. Yeah, I mean, I I we'll was really feeling that name. I was very excited. You know, you, you were feeling. That I had name. a bunch of uh, footballs, like little tiny, you know, the little foam ones printed, like you used to get back yeah. at football games in high school, with my logo and stuff on them. Those are in the mail right now. Oh, that is swag. Nobody wants. That is, <laughs> that's like some after conference leftovers <laughs> shit. Where Man, they're just I giving have... it to all of the employees of the uh, of, of the conference just for the next three years straight you know i spent a lot of time thinking about my merchandise uh so you're not like i'm not feeling great right now uh no it's it's wonderful <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry that came I, out put, harsh. I just put so much money into this rebrand you know so i'm a little bit uh, i'm a little bit uh upset, upset uh, spaghetti you know i hope that you have some financial planners on your side uh this is not exactly the success that i i i wanted for you all right. I want to I want to just change the subject. I'm getting really uncomfortable with this, you know. So I'm just going to move on, all right? I'm just going to do a hard cold shift, you know. They don't they didn't teach us that in podcast school, but I was a little worried when I had you on it when I was having you on at first it would be very confusing for people in the beginning of the show 
because uh, <laughs> you're announcing the show that you're appearing on, which I love this. I love having the, the voice of the show on the show. I'm always here eventually anyway. You know, it's like I'm always <laughs> present. Let's actually, let's find that voice. Yeah, I am a disembodied voice back on your show. I can't wait to edit this because like I feel like I'm just going to be getting ASMR fucking uh, <laughs> vibes the entire time I'm editing. <laughs> uh, you're, you're welcome. I'll yeah. try to turn it up to announcer 11. Yeah, do that again. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am becoming increasingly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I'll, I'll be cool. I'll be cool. Yeah. No, but aside from having the uh, this this absolutely uh, perfect, stunning radio voice. Uh, you're too nice. <laughs> you're also, at home, you can pay me for it. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. He does uh, do voiceover. So, uh, uh, by the way, yeah. Where do people hit you for that? Uh, I, I mean, I'm easily findable on social media uh you can make that connection if you want to i i won't shame you for it uh i am also <laughs> out and about around columbus uh if you want me you can find me but uh i am working on my own personal website it will eventually be rmgb.me nice because those are my initials nice yeah, so aside from having the the voice of voices uh you also are a huge baseball fan and and began uh, I don't know how many years ago began a a pretty decent campaign for a new name for the Cleveland Indians, Thank but you. they now you've unfortunately lost that campaign and and are dealing with the uh, remorse from that. I'm sure, but but man, you really put a good effort in. Yeah, you know? I uh, around 2014 2015. Uh, I so I mean I'm from Cleveland. I like baseball, so hypothetically, my baseball team is the Cleveland Indians. And, you know, historically, I've followed the team, loved it. The team in the 90s was fantastic. But, you know, as I uh, just opened my eyes a little bit more, I'm like, oh, this is definitely a, a, an organization that is profiting off of the identity of a historically disenfranchised people. And there's a lot of different avenues you can take as to things that they were doing wrong. But, you know, I really want to cheer for this team, like, full-throated endorsement, and I felt like I couldn't, so I wanted to propose a different solution. And my idea was the Cleveland Owl Bears. Uh, you know, it's an owl bear. It's a native Cleveland forest animal. <laughs> uh, it's, most of the time, it's a head of an owl, body of a bear. It's got feathers all over it. It's really nice. You should see it. Uh, Definitely check out. Yeah, there's the a zoo. Facebook page, and uh, I think there's a website, oh, too. Yeah. www.clevelandowlbears.com. Check out the uh, the, the graphics uh, the, the on the logo. It's really cool. It's a cool look. Oh, yeah. yeah He's uh, wearing the hat right now. I mean, I'm appreciating it right here. Designed by former Ohio comedian Laura Sanders, that that graphic was. Ah, yeah. I just talked to her uh, just recently uh, where I saw you on the weekend. She, I'm going to be getting her on the show soon. I'm excited about that. Oh, that's that. terrific. Yeah, she's hilarious and, and just like a great person. Yeah, yeah. She seemed really cool. And Lindsay, my girlfriend Lindsay, just was dying. Dying. The, I mean, she was losing her mind. And I mean, I was laughing my ass off, but she was like losing breath, you know? <laughs> Need to be revived. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Lindsay, are you okay? <laughs> but yeah, I, I put in a whole bunch of effort over the last like five, six years uh, 
trying to popularize uh, fight the hard fight for the Cleveland Owl Bears. And uh, overall, it, it, the, it ended up being that the Cleveland Guardians was the name chosen, which is fine and great. Second favorite choice for me. So overall, yeah. you know, lost the battle but won the war. Yeah, and I think it's cool. I'm not a baseball fan, although Lindsey is getting me into baseball. I went and I've been to a couple Clippers games now, actually yeah. three Clippers games now, and I every time enjoyed myself thoroughly. Yeah, it's a really great experience to just yeah. be there. Like it's not a sport you need to like heavily focus on every second. So yeah, you can yeah. Kind of like you know talk to the people around you, go like right. toward the field, and and especially in Cleveland and Columbus, like they have pretty fields. Like they are very nice baseball fields. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time, and and I love uh, all the shit talk. There's just an incredible amount of shit talk, <laughs> and that is uh, that is incredible. Uh, learning about that was incredible for me. Uh, learning that there are people that spend a good portion of their lives researching the opposing team's left fielder, <laughs> so that they can fuck with them. Oh yeah, there's there's a long and celebrated history of uh, baseball shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, there was a great story that came out of the 90s Cleveland team where Albert Bell had corked his bat and it broke during a game and the umpires were like, okay, we need to investigate that bat to see if we can penalize you for cheating. And so they confiscated the bat and during the game, one of their middling relievers was tasked with going through crawl spaces in the clubhouse, like got into the ceiling, like mission what? impossible through some vents into the umpire's room. Oh my God like dangled down grabbed the bat and replaced it with a different bat and then made his way back to the dugout during the game no way and now all of this sounds very impressive but what the umpires found were like trails of like drywall and ceiling <laughs> tiles <laughs> broken brackets in the ceiling oh my god and when they went to see the bat it, they he did take out albert bell's bat but the bat he left there was signed by the other player on the team, Paul Sorrento. Oh. <laughs> so, like, you get what you pay for when you when you hire a spy like that. <laughs> you just set that up like the uh, like the way uh, they set up in Wolf of Wall Street when he was describing getting his car back safely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, the way you started describing it, it's like, oh, yes, this was an efficient operation. Oh, they had. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The best of plans. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, what a wild story. Like, I just can't imagine being like, really? The, the umpire just like, are you fucking serious right after, now? After all of that, uh, they ended up suspending Albert Bell uh, for having a corked bat. But before any of his sentence, so to speak, could be enacted, uh, the, the, the 1994 baseball season was canceled due to a strike. And did you wait? Did you just say 94? Mm hmm. 19? 1994. This happened in 1994? They didn't have a World Series in 1994. The season was canceled. Oh, my God. Yeah. I No, I just can't believe that somebody was doing that. And that seems like a 1920s or 30s kind of shenanigan. Oh, no, no, no. That was when I was, I, I was watching that happen, right? Oh my God! That is that gives it an entirely new perspective now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that this has happened in my lifetime oh. is amazing to me. Oh, we knew better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's it's reasons like that that I want to cheer for this team, right? Like, yeah. who 
who had the balls to go do that? Oh, Cleveland baseball. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. No, and and I I love that uh, I love that people are like actually starting to uh, just understand other people's perspectives, and I feel like even yeah. though there's a huge lash back against it, the fact that it's happening is so huge because people are actually saying, "Hey, maybe our perspective isn't the only perspective," you know? Yeah, and it, it's it's that kind of like human interconnection that we should all like. It, for example, you as a facilitator of the arts and an artist in, in your own ways are bringing people in and helping these interconnections between people form. Uh, and that's something that I'm hoping to do myself, uh, trying to bring people who are, you know, maybe otherwise disengaged from their city, from their entertainment and kind of make those connections and make yeah. ensure that they care about the city and the people in it. Yeah. And you are uh I, I, I don't know if, if uh you would be like a, a connector type, but you definitely have have at least a, a portion of that because you are, you know, people like you're connected to so many different communities in the Columbus entertainment scene and art scene. And uh, that's really, really cool. You know, actually, like when I was starting this show, uh, Ryan was one of the people I first reached out to because I was like, hey, I don't know much about this comedy scene here, but it seems like it's kind of a deal. It seems like it's kind of cool. Yeah, and Columbus has a, a really <laughs> solid comedy scene. Yeah, yeah. I'd been working with uh, local musicians for several years at that point, and uh, there was already a few people covering the local music scene. So I was like, what's going on in this comedy scene? You know, maybe I should, you know see what's happening here, you know? And, uh, and then of course, like my eyes were opened wide, but, uh, you were one of the first people that said, I said, do you think, uh, you know, that could we put out, how many shows could we put out without repeating content? Oh. And, and you were like, Oh, I mean, you know, how many are you doing a year? You know, I was like, you know, two, two bi-weekly, oh, 48. Yeah. You can do 48. Oh, no question. <laughs> yeah. You can do 48 yeah. without repeating anything. You could probably do uh tw you could probably do two or three years without repeating. I was like, Oh damn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And by then you'll have a fresh crop of comedians coming in and you can start new interviews all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm already I'm already there. <laughs> there's already like there's, you know, always new people. And coming congratulations in and... for keeping with it as long as you have. Oh, well, thank you. It's yeah, it's 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 tricky. But like, yeah, I mean, you how long have you been doing PowerPoint? You said 2014. Uh, oh, gosh. I don't even really remember when I started doing Drunk PowerPoint. Uh, my sense of long-term time is very bad. <laughs> That's could... a long-standing show, though. That's yeah. a whole tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my my buddy, my uh, Kerouac buddy, uh, Phil Liddell, started it originally, and I hopped on board immediately after, and I've been carrying it through for the last uh, four years, five years, six years. I don't know. I Okay. Something. But yeah, I mean, this is like uh, I've been I've been to a couple of these, and it is a whole like scene. It's yeah, a, I mean, it's it, kind of it's, a scene unto itself, and it's a great show too. Like we pack Cafe Kerouac, which is a relatively small sized bar. Uh, oh, it's packed. Yeah, I mean, it is like people standing on shoulders, packed. Yeah, and we just talk about silly, stupid, inform informative uh topics like yeah. i've done a presentation on uh the rejects of animal evolution you know everybody <laughs> thinks about it as a forward moving progressive thing but no if, if, there are plenty of dead ends and i'll show you yeah uh, so uh, for people that aren't uh familiar uh can you give the drunk powerpoint a quick synopsis yeah or, sure uh, 
elevator pitch? Uh, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, it's an open mic sign up. You come in, you pre-prepare a PowerPoint. Uh, ooh, that's some alliteration. Uh, <laughs> and I'll just throw it in my machine and you have, you know, 10, 12 minutes to give a little presentation to the group about something that you're either passionate about maybe it's something you've studied or maybe it's just something stupid you learned about and you want to share with the rest of the world. And it runs the whole gamut, you know, and it's all, yeah, people may, it's like you're using, it's comedy, but it's this interesting format that's you, it's in the fact that it's so, yeah, so had, associated with business makes it more fun. Yeah. We've had one presentation that was like on grad research for frogs. We had another where there was just a guy dunking on Pete Wentz. <laughs> Uh, and we got uh, some that are just kind of like cobbled together life stories, you know, it, and, and the format of it just makes it easy to share. It makes it easy to create where someone's not going to blow you out of the water with their presentation. There's mm -hmm. no barrier to entry. And it 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 kind of gives you a prompt that you might need to be able to uh, delve into creatively. Yeah, which is, and that's a really cool point because like it gives you this infrastructure with which to build a uh, presentation on. Yeah, but you can make the presentation. It doesn't. This doesn't have to be for work, you know. <laughs> and and like it doesn't need to be a half hour. It should wait. Rephrase. It should not be a half hour presentation. Yeah. I will shut you down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's just like spend a couple hours making something fun. Toss it up there. Uh, if you're new, that's great. If you're experienced, uh, you might have honed your craft even more. It's even more fun. And then you also have uh, just going through so much of the different and and, and interesting stuff that you do in town. The uh, baseball tonight, right? Oh, which yeah. uh, a good friend of mine you do with a uh, good friend of mine, Matt Monta. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who also Columbus. has a sexy fucking voice. Uh, Matt Monta is an attractive human inside and out. Yeah. Well, both of you, but but <laughs> yeah, you. both of you. I would like definitely like just you know fall in love with your voices, uh, both of you. Uh, we're, we're putting a, an audio calendar together. It's Are fun. you? <laughs> uh, an audio calendar. That's so funny. March first. <laughs> March second. Yes. March third. <laughs> March fourth. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the pandemic hit and everybody was like, hey, let's do something online. And, you know, people's Twitch uh, subscriptions skyrocketed and everybody's like, hey, check out me playing a video game. But uh, Matt had the fun idea to create a show that was fake baseball uh, presented as real baseball. <laughs> uh, Matt was playing this like old super nintendo baseball game super bases loaded 2 and thought hey what if i get some people together and we actually make a show around it so <laughs> he got me who, who I, and i you know i'm a avowed baseball fan with a strange perspective and a nice radio voice and uh another former <laughs> columbus comedian justin golock together and uh matt plays and coaches the team Justin and I comment on it, and we've evolved like this strange backstory, and <laughs> player interactions over time evolve. And we did it weekly on Twitch during the pandemic, and we still have a plan to continue it. But during uh, the loosening of protocols, we've all become more busy humans, so we we are not doing it regularly at the moment. <laughs> so, uh, so Twitch streaming uh, ba 1990s baseball games has lost a little bit of steam. 
a little bit of steam. We, we do want to finish out the season. 162 games. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, so you can catch that, that at uh, twitch.tv slash the underscore taw, T-H-E underscore T-A-W. That's Matt Montaw's stream. Uh, in addition to that, he, he plays chess and he plays music. Yeah, check out Matt Monta and the Haymakers. This is uh, such a fantastic band. Shout out. Love you, Matt. Uh, so good. Yeah, <laughs> I love, no, I love, I was actually just showing Lindsay, uh, Matt Monta, uh, yesterday cause we went and saw Jesse Henry perform with, uh, and, and, uh, uh, Joey, uh, Hebdo was there mm. and Patient Thomas got up and yeah. it was just a great old show, you know? Man. Um, but then I, it made me think of, as I was showing her, uh, some Jesse Henry and I was showing her some, uh, Hebdo and then all of a sudden, of course, Matt Monta popped in there in my in my stuff and i was like oh you gotta hear man Mata too and it was fantastic i love this town god i'd love this town <laughs> yeah and and it's just like that's a, just another genuinely good human that i just want to support because they're great yeah a hundred percent oh we got a caller oh we, we actually take callers this is the thing yeah yeah hello uh this is lampshade media presents Mel's Big House with Ryan Branch. Uh, who's who? Who are we talking to? Hello, are you humans? I uh, yeah, Ryan, are you? Uh, I, I I think that's a good thing to reaffirm with yourself every now and then. I, I believe I am. Are you a crawl dad? No. A a a, a, a crawl dad or a call dad? Are we call daddies? Are we taking calls? <laughs> we are taking I'm calls. Sorry, it must be my accent. My name is Thomas, and I am a craw dad. Oh, a, a craw dad, like like a crayfish. Yeah, like a little shrimp lobster looking thing. How's how's that working out for you? Well, it's very wet and very cold, and I live in the Olentangy River. Oh, I didn't know we had craw dads here. I could find some more affordable lunch options. Please don't eat me. Okay. <laughs> Don't eat our callers, dude. Oh, I'm sorry, little little Thomas, was it? Little Thomas? That's so mean. Man, uh, yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone call Ryan mean, actually. Oh, no. Have I hurt someone? <laughs> Thomas, how exactly are you calling us from the Olentangy River? Oh, I took an iPhone from the AT&T store. <laughs> I got a waterproof phone case and everything. Well, that's handy. Mm-hmm. Or clawy, depending on the way you. <laughs> Sing. Um, or did you steal a phone, or did they give it to you? Oh, Are there discounts? I stole it. I just crawled in there with my little crawl dad legs, and I got the <laughs> iPhone, and I took it back to the river. What? What? What, what kind of? ethics do crawdads really employ in their daily life is this is this fine are our rules of well, law for... i don't have money and i don't have a job so i figure it's fair oh yeah legit i can't really argue i mean with the no logic. one's gonna hire me because i'm a crawdad so i might as well just take what i need and, and the level of healthcare benefits for crawdads these days is just uh, abysmal. So I can't really fault you for the desperate actions. You know, this is an Aladdin situation. Well, I think situation. we live like six months, so like healthcare doesn't really matter, you know? Oh, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Although, you know, the same could be said for uh, basically every poor person, too. You know, they don't live as long as rich people. So should we take care of them? 
Anywho, I don't know what people do, but I'm a crawl dad and I want to become a human. Really? Yeah. And I don't know very much about humans, so I called in because I want to talk to humans and ask questions. Oh. Well, I think we could help you out. I mean, I, I don't want to turn anyone away looking for help. Well, I have, I've been accused of not being a very good human, you know, but, but I can try my best. By who? Oh, it's more about... <laughs> Being a robot than being insensitive. <laughs> well, I stole an iPhone, so I'm not a good crawl dad anyway. So I don't really care if you're a good human. Okay, okay. Uh, so what, Mel? Rules of humans. How do humans act? Um, I feel like the golden rule is a big one. That's uh, that's something people seem to to need to understand. The right? more gold you have, the more rules you <laughs> can ignore. Yeah, the golden rule. Yes, and steal the gold. And steal the gold. Uh, no, I I think that's. That's crawdad misunderstanding. Uh, you steal the gold, you get boiled in the pot. <laughs> Did not like that. Don't eat me. <laughs> we will not eat you, okay? What's another thing humans okay. do? Um, we like driving. Driving, can crawdads drive? Um, I think so, but I need like a really tiny car. Oh, I think we can do that for you. I got some like I could get you some Hot Wheels. Yeah, the bigger Hot Wheels, maybe. What kind of car would you drive? I want like a Tesla. Oh God. Yeah, is, there there might be some electric issues with the uh, with the river though. Oh yeah. Do you want like a pontoon boat? What's that? It's like a, a boat on a platform. It might be good in a river. Oh, I like that. Is there anything specifically that you're uh, any any information you're looking for? Why do humans' feet kind of look like their hands? <laughs> well, I think this is uh, this would be a better question for an evolutionary biologist. Well, I know a lot of zoological taxonomy, so I think I can maybe counteract that question and say, don't crawfish claws look like your feet? No. Oh, they're, they're, you don't think so? No, because I got like rob, uh, lobster claws and I got like little nubbies. Feet. Your claws are just two nubbies put together. <gasps> I'm having an existential crisis right now. <laughs> you just like broke Thomas's mind. I, I'm taking him out of his shell. <laughs> your your metaphorical shell. Your metaphorical <laughs> shell. Don't eat our guests, dude. <laughs> What's a metaphor? So that's when a human talks about a thing that's not the thing they're talking about. <laughs> dude, like that's what? so meta. Let's say that, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, a pot of boiling water being a, a bad thing for what? us. Yeah, like, we, we don't actually have a pot of boiling, boiling water here. Mel and I are not worried about oh. pots of boiling water. Uh, yeah. for, a, okay. for a crawfish, it would be less of a metaphor. Okay, so there's no water. <laughs> no, no, no. But we're talking about the boiling water. Yeah, yeah, it's a metaphor. Because we like to scare ourselves. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, that's a little bit human. We yeah. definitely like uh, making ourselves a little scared. Yeah, there's uh, an entire season devoted to it. An entire city in northern Ohio devoted to it. <laughs> what? Uh, Cedar Point is just about getting on things that should probably kill you and somehow making it out alive, usually. Like boiling water? Yeah, like think of a crawfish amusement park. It would be like a bunch of pots that look like they're boiling, and then you get into them, but and you're all scared about getting into them, but they don't kill you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a great metaphor. So I should go to Cedar Point, and they have pots of boiling water that's not going to kill me, 
and that's going to cure my fear of the boiling water. I think you might end up, I don't know if I would go to Cedar Point just yet if I were you. I would wait until, you know, a little bit later in the transition from crawdad to human uh, before you hit Cedar Point up because uh, yeah, you know, one of those, those are lake people up there. In one of those horrifying middle stages of that transition. <laughs> Like the oh. like in the middle of the fly. Yes. Have you ever seen the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? It's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just hope at no stage during your evolution does a uh, like acid vomit come out of you. Oh my god! I hope that for everyone. But I watched that movie and it inspired me to become a human. Hmm. It's interesting. What a what a small world. I was really thinking the Little Mermaid might be a more apt tr- uh, choice. <laughs> no, the fly. Yeah, <laughs> that's way better. What hath science wrought? <laughs> but they they took the Little Mermaid's voice. Oh yeah, yeah. She lost her voice. Big plot point. Uh, and my voice is so beautiful. It's all I have left. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, you have the best voice of anybody on this show right now. <laughs> Can we sing a song? Uh, I, I would love more. that. Yeah, I want that. I am the Crawdad King. I will become a human. La. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> that had that had a beginning, a middle, and end. It had a, a a resolution. Yeah, that was great. It had all of the necessary requirements uh, of a song. I I loved it. It's from my mixtape, The Crawdad King. Uh, what other songs are on your mixtape? Um, that's the only one so far. <laughs> I have to come up with more. This is a metaphorical mixtape at this point. No, it's real. It just has one song. <laughs> uh, very disappointing. Did you record it underwater? <laughs> yeah, on my iPhone. <laughs> are you underwater right now? Yeah. That is incredible. I I've gotten calls from a from a, a a dumpster raccoon in the old north, but I've never gotten a call from an, a crawdad underwater in the Olentangy River, and that is a, a highlight of the show today. And and let me tell you, oh, yeah, the raccoon's my friend. <laughs> I bet he also like lifted a phone. Literally, the raccoon also stole a phone. You guys like, I see why you connect. And all this gives me and a great idea. I. <laughs> I can. I think we should rename the Columbus Clippers to the Olentangy Crawdads. I, I'm kind of feeling that. Yes. That's a great baseball team name. We just got to wait until Thomas is in the middle of the transition in that crazy phase, you know, and then they yeah. then we got a mascot built in. Thomas, you want to be a mascot? Crawdads love baseball. They do. It's it's proven. They have so many arms they can use to swing bats with. <laughs> That is true. That is a fact. <laughs> you got any other uh, any other questions? Yes. How do I eat a taco? Oh, it's going to be real hard if you try a crunchy taco with those little hands of yours. You might want to just try a soft taco. That's my first tip. Oh, okay. But do I like eat the inside first? Uh, what do your mouth parts look like? <laughs> you don't want to know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just suck it out from the inside. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying it. Ah, very refreshing. <laughs> that is like got to be the most saturated ass taco. I can't imagine eating a taco underwater. That has clearly been in the river for at least three days. 
Yeah. It tastes very briny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might want to try it again on dry land. I will say that. They might lose some of the, you know, some of the elements of a taco might get lost underwater. That's all I'm saying. I lost all the sour cream. <laughs> and now you just live in a very, like, sour creamy riverbed. <laughs> it's a sour cream rich environment. Yes. I love it, though. I think it's very healthy. It's probably good for your skin. And for your well, gills. I have a shell, but my shell feels very soft and moisturized right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. So I'm very <laughs> much enjoying this sour cream life. <laughs> well, Thomas, are you a regular listener to the show? Yes. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate our listeners calling in, checking in. Um, but this is, yeah, this has been fantastic. Is there, is there any, anything else you, that you, that you need before we, uh, before we get back to the interview? Yes. Um, what should I make my next song about for my number two mixtape? That's a great question. Uh, coming out of my shell, talking about the way that you're evolving into a human. Oh, so like, um, what's that song by the Killers? Coming out of my shell. (laughs) I don't know. Doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's gonna be be a shell. I'm gonna come out the shell. Yeah, I like that. This is empowering, and uh, yeah, I love it. I feel so empowered already. When you uh, when you get that uh, that thing into production and you need uh, some promo for the release of the mixtape, you need to call us back up, and uh, we'll we'll play oh, a little bit you. of it on the on the on the air for you. I appreciate it, and you can share the picture for my mixtape. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Send me the picture. I'll put it in our show notes today. It's gonna be me in the Clippers baseball stadium <laughs> with a taco. That. Is that is perfect? I in feel a, like that's good branding in a horrible middle stage of mutation. Yeah, <laughs> really sells the music. <laughs> I think you should definitely do like you know how people hide stuff in pictures. You should have a like Jeff Goldblum somewhere in there, just kind of hidden, so you can't notice it unless you look for it. Oh, would... he's the pitcher. <laughs> he's. The... And I have the baseball back, and I'm swinging. Yes, swinging for the fences. Yeah, and the tacos. Thomas, is your last name Crawdad? How did you know? I just took a wild swing at it. Have you been spying on me? No, 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 no. That's just, you know, I know, you know, in the Crawdad community, uh, you know, Crawdad seems to be a, a big last name. Well, some of us are called Crawfish, too. Oh. Really misleading, as I do not believe you are a fish at all. Is this some sort of like uh, S&M thing? How did you know? Again, I have some friends in the community, you know, I don't speak for them, but... Are you spying on me through my iPhone? <laughs> no, no, no. But did you get uh, the COVID vaccine? Because that's that's oh, it. Yes. If, if, yeah, that's it. That's I how I'm did. spying we on you. We have that down here in the water. Very good. And we have cute little masks. Aw. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm not spying on you at all. Uh, that's a that's, that's I was just being silly. I don't even think you could call that a metaphor, though. Well, I do live stream everything I do from my iPhone, so because oh. you were live in a stream. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas sets it up and he knocks it down. That is perfect. You drop the link. Where where? <laughs> what's what's your YouTube link? 
Um, it's youtube.com slash sexy crawl dad daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, you, everybody listen, you need to go check that out. Do not be afraid, but uh, do not hold Lampshade Media liable for anything that you find. <laughs> I'm about to eat a second taco. <laughs> yes. Oof, good luck with that with your tiny little mouth and yeah. weird little gills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and remember, people, don't eat crawdads. No! Don't do it. It's not cool. Well, we might hang up and say a different message, but that seems fine. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, well, he does not represent my views. I am never eating crawdads, ever, okay? Thank you. I, I would never do that. that. All right, Thomas, will you? Uh, thanks for calling in. You have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye, friends. Goodbye. Take care. Good luck on your changes. <laughs> See ya. Thomas the Crawdad. Ah, good kid. Thomas the Crawdad, Hope folks. Hope everything works out for him. You like to see people, uh, you know, really doing what they want with their life. And uh, I don't know, though. I mean, Crawdad seems like a good life. They got their iPhones down there. They're driving Teslas. I mean, <laughs> fuck it. I'll be a Crawdad. Gets my blood boiling. Just think about how insecure they are about ah! it. <laughs> uh, no, don't do that. We're moving on. Actually, so so one of the uh, the fun things about you is like so many facets. We're gonna the, we're gonna see so many facets of Ryan Branch today. Oh, I'm a shining diamond. <laughs> yeah, so you are a, a pretty serious board gamer. Oh yeah, uh, a little too much. Um, <laughs> You've made a board game, right? You have your own board game, right? Kind of. I've I've like gotten a three to like prototype stage, and I have ideas for nine more that are kind of fleshed out. I'm. I'm, and I own like 150 of them in my basement. So you are basic. I remember when I, I helped you uh, produce a, 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 a live experience during the pandemic because you couldn't have yeah. a house show. Yeah. And I do remember the part where you showed your board game collection off. And it is a bit like a board game museum. Yeah, a little If a bit. little dressed down. Yeah, thank you for, for essentially hosting my housewarming during the pandemic. You know? <laughs> I was very happy to. Uh, what would I say to the voice of Lampshade Media? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, not only do I just, you know, I'm a nerd enough and get together with friends all the time to play board games, card games, uh, but I was employed in it for a little while uh, when... Kingmakers was uh, a, a new baby idea in Columbus, the first board game parlor in town. Uh, I was part of the uh, first wave of recruits, and that was something that I enjoyed doing for about a year and a half. Yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know why, but it's just, it's such a nice brain exercise, social engagement tool. Yeah. Uh, board games are super fun. And if you don't think you like board games, it's probably just because you haven't found the right one for you. <laughs> that's Yeah, that uh, sounds like a good pitch. Oh, I've been working on it. Well, I mean, I, okay, so I have played board games growing up and stuff, and I have a couple upstairs. I love Scrabble. Like, I think Scrabble's fun. Yeah, Scrabble's a very, terrible game, but I'm glad Very you like basic, it. you know, very basic games, you know? Like, I have, uh, somebody left a, a game of uh, of uh, Candyland. Or, no, 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 Life. Oh, yeah. Somebody left the game of Life in my living room. It was uh, actually Tiffany Little at one of my house shows. I don't know why she brought the game of Life to my house, but it sits under my coffee table to this day. Yeah. Tiffany, come get that anytime. 
Uh, we actually tried to play it drunkenly one night, and we got it set up and decided it wasn't worth it. Oh, no. <laughs> you learned that being drunk through life is not the way to be. <laughs> but these, uh, but are you are you a little pretentious about games then? Or are you like, no, not these pop games? I am heavily pretentious. But what about Settlers of Catan? Is that too pop? Uh, it's not about it being pop. It's about its mechanics being way too loose. Everybody's trading with the winner, and it... <sighs> You're trying to get the numbers that roll a lot, and then you just never roll them. Like, mm -hmm. I just want, I want a game with a little bit more parameter, uh, or 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 just just throw off all the chains and go full social. Like, there are plenty of games like uh, Code Names, Coup. Uh, there there are plenty of great social engagement games that are just like don't take an hour and a half like Settlers yeah. of Catan does. Yeah. I did play this uh, Settlers of Catan uh, one time with, it was actually with Joel Good with his old roommate, and it was after a night of partying. Yeah. We were waking up groggily, coming off of the substances that had been consumed, and, uh, and his roommate was insistent that we play Settlers of Catan. And mind you that we had played Risk that night uh -oh. and it was like the whole night you know yeah, what i mean yeah we played the whole game you know and i was just like and i'm not really a natural board game guy but like risk is like one another one of those classic games sure. that i understand at least and, and one of my favorite late night board games is like if you're up near midnight everyone's hopped up on coffee uh the battlestar galactica board game is surprisingly good yeah you don't need to know anything about the show but like if five of you are playing, two of you are secretly working against the group as robot spies. Oh my god, that's fun! Yeah, and so like everybody's just throwing out accusations left and right, just like friendships are burning to the ground, and nobody <laughs> knows who's who. It's it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so what's the one game that you hold like on a on a oh, on a pedestal? Oh god, it's so context dependent. So it's like. Is it when there's five of you in an active social group, or do you want a thinky game, or do you want so so? I'll give you three quick ones. Uh, one of my favorite like gateway games to get people into board games when they don't really know about them is like Carcassonne. Uh, that's a, a tile placement game that's very easy to learn, but it's still deep enough where I feel like there's enough crunch to get into it. Yeah. Uh, if you want something a little more intense. Uh, there's Lords of Waterdeep. That's a very good worker placement game. It's like a European style of game where there are only a certain amount of things you can do and they get used up every turn. So you kind of have to like jockey and optimize what your plans are. Yeah. And then if you want to do like full on social gaming, uh, Coup, C-O-U-P. Uh, it's a little uh, secret role game where you're trying to trick people into believing you have certain cards, even when you don't, to okay. try to assassinate everybody at the table. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, so those are three that I think are, are really good starting points. Nice, nice. Now, I, are you also a video gamer? Oh, yeah. So did you play uh, Valhalla yet? And also, I'm thinking of Witcher 3 has the same exact kind of concept. Uh, have you played those games? Uh, Valheim? Valhalla or Valhalla. Witcher 3. No, I don't know Valhalla, but I, I know Witcher 3. So in Witcher 3, they have Gwent. Okay. Did you play Gwent? No, no. Oh, it's like a card game within a game. Yes. Yeah. They made their own card game yeah. within the game. So Well, I, I back, if I can rewind in time, there's Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, had a card game within their game that I love. Mm-hmm. Triple Triad. 
I think it was called. Yeah. And it was just a little card numbers game that you collected cards from NPCs from as you played. Right, right. Yeah, same idea. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the RPG world does love an in-game game. Mm. <laughs> I because uh, the only reason I bring this up is uh, in Valhalla. I got uh, I'm playing uh, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed's latest oh, okay. uh, uh, offering. Got it. And in that game, there's an in-game uh, dice game. Nice. And it's uh, it's called Oolong, and and you you basically yeah it's just a uh, you know you roll and you can choose certain things and there's attacks and defenses. Okay. Yeah, it's an odds game, but there's you know you're, it's strategic and and I'm just like. Playing and Lindsay's over, and we're just hanging out. And I'm like, "All right, Lindsay, I need your help. I got to learn a fucking game to move on to the next part of this. Uh, you know, I got to I got to beat this guy at, at uh, fucking Oolong. And so we're just sitting here and we're trying. And then we're like, "Oh, okay. So wait, we okay." And then all of a sudden, and, and it turns yeah, out this is a pretty well you. developed game. It got you. And I was like, oh, so if I do this, oh, and then, oh, oh, but he did that. So now I got to, and by the time we were done, we were like, all right, let's keep, at first it was like, I'm dragging my feet. Like I got to beat this fucking stupid in-game game. And then next thing you know, I'm actually enjoying myself playing the game within the fucking game. Oh no, you've, you've dipped your toe into board games. Yeah. Talk about metaphor. It's only, it's only downhill from here. (laughs) I'll get you on the 150 games in your basement path in no time. Yeah. Did uh, Dungeons and Dragons ever pull you? Oh yeah, I played that for years and years. It came to the point where eventually I started uh, agreeing to too many social engagements for me to be able to do that every week, and I kind of like ah. I burnt out. Uh-huh. Uh I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in any organized way for uh, some years now, but like yeah, I was playing it weekly for a solid chunk of my adulthood. Yeah, I've so the way I, growing up ultra. You know, conservative Christian, we looked at Dungeons and Dragons as the fucking devil and Oh yeah, we've like, already sold our souls uh, both in game. So and I, I didn't really play much Dungeons and Dragons, unfortunately, because I think I would have gotten into it. That might be what stopped me from the gaming world, you know. But you are still allowed into heaven. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's a, such a great trade off. No, but uh, actually, on that note, uh, this was like bef- I think before I even started this podcast. Um, I had known you, and you were working on a project yep. for a uh, for a fictional audio series. I I still have uh, a goal to put together at least the first episode of this podcast. I uh, I am uh, willing and and able to help complete that because I would love to see it come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm I am actively finding the means to push this through the to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was so cool. Uh, I I hadn't even started this podcast yet. I'm pretty sure, and mm-hmm. and but we had been talking, and you had mentioned this, and I'm like, hey, actually, I think I was just getting it off the ground because I think the idea was that we traded voiceover work for yeah. uh, production work. I think you cornered me at Spacebar for the conversation. Ah, uh, when you say cornered, how was I being aggressive? Oh no. I th- <laughs> I could have slipped under your legs or around the side of you if I needed to. <laughs> no, but you, uh, you, yeah, you ended up bringing over. You already had everything worked out. You know, you yeah, start, you were bringing us, over actors. Like, what was it? A couple t- nights a week, it seemed like for a minute. Uh, four of us had written a script, and I uh, brought about eleven friends, comedians, actors in to yeah. do voice work for it. Yeah, and yeah. it was very cool. And and. I wasn't even in the room. We just kind of showed you the computer, and uh, 
and you did your thing and, and which was dope and i was very happy to just be of help to you but i was also very excited to see this thing come out and i still am well thank you for the the, the little <laughs> bit of pressure i need to stay motivated <laughs> Uh, that is a problem for me. No, no, no. There's so many projects, obviously. You're so yeah. busy, so I don't want to like you know, be that guy, but that was a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I can have it produced and I can show it to the world at some point in the near future. It was so cool to see how you like how you have these uh, these you know connections in the city and you just had all these people come in and act out this pilot and it was so it was so fun to you know, be tangentially associated to that action. You know, I love being around creative people that are doing cool shit, you know? Yeah, me too. And that's kind of what got me started on to doing any of this at all. Like, 11 years ago, I was asked by my friend Zach Baird to be a part of Monday Night Live as an announcer. So, like, same situation. I yeah. happen to have a decent voice. I yeah, was, hey, sexy voice. Yeah, I was doing some <laughs> volunteer radio. Uh, had a show with my friend Pat, and we were just interviewing people around town interviewed a few comedians and then those comedians asked me to be involved with some stuff and then other people asked me to be involved some, some, with some stuff and I was just like slightly charismatic enough to be included and it was nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, being around these comedy people, uh, being around the musicians, you get a lot of these opportunities. I've, I've even like hosted uh, a few local events like art for franklinton in 2019 which was a charity event that i got to MC. it was great yeah uh, i and also do weddings do you really i've i've done two weddings and i'm gonna do another one in october officiated yeah oh nice that's really cool i didn't know that yeah i mean you know i've only done it for friends i don't know uh, exactly how i would do it for strangers uh but yeah learning Moving forward, growing. Yeah, well, that's no. It's I'm very excited for uh, your voice to be like everywhere. <laughs> uh, I just like I just want to intimidating, I, but in, enthralling. No, I, I literally just uh, you know I love you and I think you're a great guest on the show. But my main impetus for having you on the show <laughs> is I just needed to have like you know easy access. Listen to me. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, but uh, no, and then did we talk about Comedy Town? Because uh, oh, no, we haven't that in 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 rest in peace. Like I really am sad about that. But that was such a fun project, and uh, and it had some of my favorite people in it too. Uh, Dustin Meadows is a friend of the show. He's been on the show twice and uh, done yeah. some uh, some other collaborative efforts here. If you pay attention, you'll know. Yeah, I was really happy that uh, Dustin Meadows, friend and comedian. Uh, recently departed to, yeah. uh, to L.A. <laughs> yeah, I might as well be dead. <laughs> uh, he pulled me into a lot of his projects that were really uh, really fun and gave me a lot of new opportunities to both stretch my vocal and my creative legs. Yeah. Uh, he brought me into some uh, live reads of movie scripts that he punched up. Uh, comedy Town was a whole comedy uh, show premise along with Luke Swisher, friend of your show. I love Luke Swisher so much. He's, <laughs> Shout he's out, Luke. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. He's got, both Dustin and he have such an encyclopedic knowledge of popular culture and television especially. Yeah. Where they can just delve yeah. and, and just pull all the motifs uh, just out of their pocket whenever they need. Yeah. Well, I was listening to this one podcast. I don't want to say the name of it to give anything away, but I was listening to this podcast and Luke Swisher was on this podcast and he called in as a movie reviewer and 
and played this character, and it was so fucking brilliant. And it wasn't like an original concept. The uh, the whole thing wasn't necessarily like a whole original thing. Like it's a movie reviewer trope, but. I could just, the guest and anyone could just talk about almost any movie or video, like anything that's been on the TV or the the big screen, and he knew enough to improv around it. Yeah. You know, he like it is ridiculous how much both Luke and Dustin know about pop culture. And it really makes it fun collaborating with them in that regard, too. They have that depth of knowledge that can make anything work. And I, I have my own depths of knowledge, but I'm glad that they can take entertainment and run. Uh, and in fact, the, the one of the most fun parts about the recent the, the recent last comedy town that we did was it was just post after some of the pandemic restrictions were being lifted and you know we were all vaccinated uh in the show we did a live event but luke you know was understandably a little more cautious about the scenario and you know as we're seeing yeah. right now that is definitely uh, reasonable yeah yeah all uh, the work i've done with luke is and, and actually like during the pandemic it was always over the phone yeah and luke has only worked with me over the phone for over a year now mm-hmm. and, and a lot of other people too but yeah go go ahead yeah and we uh you know we as entertainers are learning from the pandemic in hopefully ways that will grow our industry and the way we can even do local shows. And yeah. we broadcast Luke from his house into the show live the whole time. So yeah. like I was streaming him into my computer and he was plugged into the soundboard so he could interact with us just like he was there, except I just projected his face up onto the screen. Yeah. 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 And I, I love the, uh, you know, variety show aspect of that and the way that that show uh kind of pulled that off because variety shows can be uh tricky sometimes like mm-hmm. when it's when it's straightforward it's a little it can be a little bit vaudeville you know yeah and if that's not the vibe you're going for then it's then it's a it's a trick to pull off not that right right, right. and i'm not dogging on regular variety shows because there's not a goddamn thing wrong with vaudevillian you know uh aesthetic right sure but comedy town didn't really necessarily have that aesthetic but it was still a variety show yeah it it was like uh it was a a comedy oriented uh garage band of what like uh uh conan o'brien yeah would be yeah so that was the first performance i saw or the first show i saw of uh county town was the first one you guys did and mitch Mm. rose it was also the first time i saw mitch rose perform and so i saw the uh the acting coach or the act uh sandy champlain Oh yeah, good call on the name. I yeah, I was forgot. brain farting for a second, but he did the Sandy Champlain character, and I almost lost my fucking ass like laughing. Mitch like, Rose can just hit you with a character so hard. And yeah, I, I saw him recently at a, at a at Beef Ghosts reinvention, <laughs> and yeah. he was just going deep in it. It was I was tumbling over myself laughing. he is a brilliant brilliant improv actor and he just has a you know he's prepared he's got tools prepared and written but he's able to react and adapt with a level of brilliance i just haven't like really worked with you know like that's he's so above and beyond you know what i mean my my level right. he is so brilliant and uh you know, this is just like, you know, I don't want to like, you know, ruin any uh, any element of uh, or magic for anyone. But uh, 
But just go listen to Travis Haywisher's episode and Walter Yosef's episode because in the middle there, there's a call in and, uh, you know, it has some relevance to Mitch Rose and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk about all the just very nice and talented people we've worked with? Because I feel like that's the theme of this episode right now. Just like yeah. Dustin and Laura and Matt and Luke and Mitch, they're all just great. Oh, hell yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, there is like a lot of you know, bullshit drama in town like there is with any human being. But, like, I love fucking Columbus, Ohio so much for the just the fresh mindsets and the and just the uh, the artistic community, the creative community here and the way that, like, to be honest, if you have an idea and you come out and start getting to know some people, they will fucking help you. Oh, yeah. Support is here. People are passionate about these things and they want th most of the the scene wants to see everyone else in the scene succeed mm -hmm. um and and if you are genuine about your efforts yeah and you are committed uh you will have people helping you out absolutely absolutely there's so much support in this scene and and i think that that needs to uh you know kind of overshadow some of the more negative aspects that exist in any scene right yeah the fact that there is so much support and so many talented truly talented people that are just so humble and so willing to you know to reach out and 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 lend a hand and you speaking know of super humble and willing people here you and i are the <laughs> humblest and most willing of the of them all <laughs> Uh, feel free to seek either of us out for your for your uh, for your projects. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, uh, I definitely do play with play well with others. Like, if if people have ideas, it's like, well, hit me up. Well, yeah, we'll talk. You know, like I don't have enough time to do everything, but to the to right. the uh, to the level at which you know I'm able to help, I almost always do. But I feel like that is what i've learned about this community is that is the fucking that's the deal you know that is the way we play yeah you know you we help each other out and we and we 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 lift each other up you know and i think that's fucking huge yeah yeah you know speaking of working with others though i have an amazing new bit i think this is the second we've published from uh, dan seabree it was a different time so check this out I read on a Snapple fact that the 1904 Olympics had a human zoo. Well, it was a different time. It was a different time with Dan Seabree. Sports! I love sports. I love basketball. I love baseball. I love football. I even like rich people's sports, like the Olympics. And so today, I want to talk to you about the 1904 Olympics. Now, the 1904 Olympics was the first time the Olympic Games was ever held outside of Europe. It was actually going to be held in North America. So you'd probably assume it'd be held in like an East Coast city for easier access, like Boston or New York. Nope, St. Louis. And to be fair to St. Louis, it wasn't the horrible shithole city it is now. Like, it was actually like really nice. Like, it rivaled Chicago. The only problem is travel wasn't nearly as easy. Like, there wasn't any airplanes. And this is the middle of North America. So you'd have to take a boat to a coast and then take a train, which would be super expensive, not to mention most of these athletes didn't want to get scurvy on the ride over. So the people that compete in the Olympics, hardly anyone wasn't from North America. Out of the 651 competing athletes, only 62 were not from North America. 
which quite frankly is the most American thing I've ever heard. Like, hey, guys, we're going to hold the Olympics. It's in St. Louis this year. Come or don't. We don't really give a shit. I think that's one of the reasons we didn't have to fight on American soil during World War One or World War Two. It's like we went to Europe. We're like, hey, you fly, we buy. All right, we'll do this. Now, the games that they played in 1904 looked a lot different than what they play now. Like, they had things like gymnastics and pole vaulting, of course, but they also had games such as, like, tug-of-war and fencing and this one game called Roquet, which is basically just a white trash version of croquet. Like, it's the same exact game, same exact rules, same exact equipment, but instead of playing on a well-kept manicured lawn, you just play in, like, a flat dirt patch. And I imagine this game was invented by a dude in West Virginia who had, like, a Model T in his yard propped up on cinder blocks. Like, hey, Darlene, I invented a new version of croquet, but without being so uppity. And, of course, this wouldn't be a true 20th century American story if it didn't include an insane level of racism. For example, Human Zoo. You can assume who was in the zoo. I don't feel like we have to open up that can of worms. Um, but the people in the human zoo were for forced to compete in events as well. But they weren't so fancy like Roquet. They had to compete in things such as mud throwing, greased pole climbing, and ethnic dancing, which you might know it today as dancing. Now, a lot of people might like kind of make the defense of like, oh, it was a different time. It was acceptable back then. It was not, like not even close. It actually pissed a bunch of people off. There was this French historian, Pierre de Blebleble. I'm summarizing. Basically, he said, you guys are not going to find this as funny once you start letting black people compete against you and they start kicking your ass. That's definitely like the most fucked up thing about these particular Olympics. But this next thing I want to tell you about is not far behind. I'm talking about the marathon. Now, before I tell you about the actual race and how it went down, I want to explain the conditions. The race was held on August 30th, and the temperature and humidity was in the mid-90s. The route they had to take was batshit. They had to run on a dirt road that had roughly three inches of dust on top of it. One competitor had his stomach lining and esophagus tore up and began coughing up blood because cars were in front of the runners kicking up a dust storm. They also had to run in areas in the city that were not blocked off for the race. They had to dodge pedestrians and drivers. There's also several very, very steep hills, some up to 300 feet tall, that the runners had to travel on, so they had to go up and down. And there was also only two places to get water during the race, at mile 6 and at mile 12. So if you get water at mile 12, you still have 14.2 miles to run before you can get water again. Now, the reason that they did this is because they wanted to test how the human body performs while dehydrated, which I feel like is a noteworthy thing you should you want to figure out. But I feel like you could have done that test in literally any other circumstance. It would probably be better and safer. Like you could start someone with like light jogs or push-ups. A 26.2 mile race is definitely skipping a few steps. Now that the scene has been set, I want to talk to you about the actual race. This race honestly sounds like something out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Competitors were chased for miles by a pack of wild dogs. People's esophaguses exploded. People pass out from heat exhaustion. But there are three competitors that really take the cake. The race starts at 3.03 p.m. So the first competitor I want to talk to you about is Felix Caraval. He's a Cuban national made famous by running the length of Cuba up and down. And Felix showed up at the race with loafers and slacks on. And somebody had a knife, and so they cut his slacks into shorts, and he's ready to go. Now, when the race starts, he keeps a steady pace, talking with spectators. He even stole some peaches from some other spectators that wouldn't share them with him, 
foreshadowing Cuba's communist fate. He then stopped by an apple orchard and ate some apples and kind of laid down to take a nap. Then he got a horrible, horrible stomach cramps and began vomiting because the apples turned out to be rotten. And he ran up until mile nine, but then he had to stop and he collapsed and was taken to the hospital. Fred Lors, the next athlete I want to talk to you about, he started in first place during the race. And for the first nine miles, he was comfortably somewhere in the front of the race, within the first nine or ten people. But at that nine-mile mark, he had some severe leg cramps. And because the cramps were so bad, he decided to hitch a ride. He just hops in some stranger's car, and this cocky son of a bitch starts waving to spectators and fellow competitors while he's passing them and, like, shit-talking them. And he rides in this person's car for 11 miles, and then the car breaks down, which is the most Midwest story of all time. First his body breaks down, then his car. But once the car breaks down, he hops out, and he runs the rest of the race. And he finishes the marathon in just under three hours. And everyone was so fucking psyched that an American won. No one seemed to notice at all. And why are you excited about an American winning? 95% of the people competing are Americans. It's like rooting for the banks in 2008. It just doesn't make any sense. Teddy Roosevelt's daughter put the first place wreath on Fred's head. And right before she placed the gold medal around his neck, a spectator ran from the crowd and fucking tattled on Fred like a punk bitch. And you know what Fred's defense was? He was goofing around. He was joking. He was doing a bit. No big deal. It's not like he was actually going to accept the award. As I mentioned, Fred was in first place for the first mile of the race. But around that first mile, Thomas Hicks edges ahead and is in first place. So far, so good. Hopefully it's just smooth sailing the rest of the way. And he keeps killing it for nine more miles. But at around mile 10, he loses his shit from being dehydrated. Two trainers come to his rescue. Hicks was just begging for a drink, but his trainers absolutely refused. And they just decided to sponge his mouth with warm water, which is the opposite of refreshing. Like, you might as well just pour some, like, salt and alcohol straight down his throat. A few more miles down the road, his trainers decided to give him a combination of egg whites and strychnine. Strychnine, as you may know, is commonly referred to as rat poison. But back in 1904, they thought it would work as a stimulant. Turns out, that's not how poison works, and he started to grow ashen and limp. But as soon as he finds out Fred was disqualified, Thomas gets like the second wind. He perks up and he keeps running. His trainers dump some warm water on him. Again, not refreshing. Give him a shot of brandy. Sounds like a nightmare. And give him another shot of egg whites and strychnine. Now, here's a quote from an official describing Hicks at the last two miles of the race. Hicks was running mechanically like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lustless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. Sounds like peak athletic performance to me. At the last mile, Hicks started hallucinating and begging to lay down and drink water. His trainers tell him to grow the fuck up, give him another shot of brandy, and one more dose of strychnine for good measure. He goes up and down two more hills before his trainers have to carry him across the finish line, finally being declared the legitimate winner. Which, in my opinion, how is that any more valid than, like, basically calling an Uber like Fred did? Well, that's the 1904 Olympics in a nutshell. It's pretentious, racist, and supremely chaotic. <laughs> Big thanks to Dan Seabree. Check out his shows. He is doing Freaks with Beaks at Rambling House every Tuesday night with Amber Falter. So check that shit out. Get out there. It's a fucking great show. And uh, check out Super Dope Comedy. 
motherfucker is killing it out there. You need to you need to know. You've been to the Rambling House, right? Oh yeah, I love Rambling House, and I, I've been to a, a lot of Dan and Amber's shows lately too. So yeah, they're doing good stuff. Freaks and Beaks for... is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, most recently, I went to a nice outdoor show that Laura Sanders and company were on. And it was, Saw you there. It was great being like just in a comfortable uh, environment outside, watching comedy. Nice summer day. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. The, I I got to tell you, the Vandarelli room is so fucking tight. Like I love AJ, the owner of Vandarelli room, is so wonderful. Such a just beautiful human being. Like such a good person. You know what I mean? Like I went to uh, so I, I had my my fortieth birthday party show there at Vandarelli room. If yeah. you guys missed it, you missed it. I'm sorry. It was fucking awesome. But anyway, we went to check out the space. Me and John Hayes from Easy Tiger, who was doing the sound and performing, uh, met me there, and we were like, kind of like waiting to meet AJ. We're walking around. It was an outdoor show. We're outside in the in the in the property, and and there's just a bunch of kids from the neighborhood, like like little children playing in in sprinklers, uh-huh. and the families are sitting over in the lawn chairs around yeah. this uh, fire. And they're just, you know, they're just chilling there. You know, it's a community space. Right. This right. space is for Franklinton. You know. And AJ makes it that way. Yeah, she's a great curator of art and community there. Yeah. You know, and, and there's like there's places like this in town that are so into their community and want their community to to be stronger. And I, I feel so strongly about supporting those places, you know, and and and, and within my ability giving them my money, you yeah. know? Yeah. If if you are a venue uh, I don't see why you can do anything other than be very passionate and outspoken and caring about your community. And I think, especially these days, there's an emphasis on knowing how to care for the people in your community. Yeah. You know, I okay, so what I'm not going to do here is I got in some trouble on Facebook by, like, naming names about, like, you know, venues I thought maybe didn't do the right thing and shit. And it got me in a lot of fucking heat because, uh, you know, they're in the community, too, I guess. You know, they're in Columbus. Sure. But, like... I, man, and it's such a weird with time. The because, politics right now, and the and the yeah. spirit, and the, the 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 divisiveness that are that is in our in our political culture, the the way the entertainment scene responds to COVID and to the politics of the time around COVID is like so. Uh, man, I don't know. Like, how do you how do you kind of like see that as an entertainer, as a as a producer of shows and things like that. Uh, it's a little tragic because it's all kind of, our hands are forced because a lot of these people are trying to make a livelihood and a career out of entertainment during a time when we are told that we can't be having live events. And this wouldn't be anywhere near the as big an issue if uh, top-down governance uh, was doing their thing and supporting us during a crisis. Right. So with the lack of real leadership being the main culprit, it's kind of fallen on us to yeah, be responsible in different ways for the the problems. Yeah, because so say a venue that uh has employees that now find themselves out of work are tempted to continue working even though it's not safe because there's no other way for them to fucking make money i don't right? think i could list for you right now all of my service and bartender friends who got covid uh, yeah during this because they didn't have a choice right what are you gonna do just starve to death right yeah so so you know and and, and i think the thing that as a as a past uh 
you know, conservative uh, Republican type person. I, th- I always had it pounded into me that I had to be responsible and, and I had to provide for myself and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I don't yeah. think it ever occurred to me how much money was accumulated by people that were like pounding that, you know, literally paying marketers to pound that fucking message into my head. Sure. The, you know, the amount of money, like, I didn't know the difference between a million and a billion. And it those two numbers don't mean a lot of difference to me right now either. <laughs> like, you know? I don't have a million of anything. Yeah, but, like, you know, uh, <laughs> but a billion. Like, the, right, the difference right. there, like, those just sounded like two words that, like, well, one's here and then the one's just the next one. Yeah. And yeah, it, no, and no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> uh, we all need, like, a couple million dollars through our lives to get by. Uh, none of us need a billion to survive. No, it's it's absurd. It's crazy. Um, but, like, if we would, we could pay people, like, we could do this. We have the ability to do this. We could have provided this this time off that we needed to get past this, right? If If our leadership was competent, we would have already been through that and gotten through that wild west middle ground before we had a vaccine yeah and we would have all just been able to coast a little bit easier yeah uh the reality is that didn't happen yeah uh and now we're in a point where you can get a vaccine at kroger you can go buy some shrimp and get a shot at the same time yeah and people just aren't going about doing it it. literally took me about 20 minutes to book and get my my vaccine like, I was right. just like, I looked it up and I, oh, no, they're busy. They're busy. They're busy. Oh, no, this one's open right now. And it's free. And it was free. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just, I walked in and I walked out. Children still can't get it. So not everybody can be covered. And certain, and, and a couple people have medical exceptions. But aside from that, you don't have much of an excuse anymore. And yeah. I don't, I don't appreciate how the narrative of personal responsibility has been turned in on people who are putting in a good, uh, a good faith effort. Uh, you know, I went out, I got my shot, so did so many people. We are vaccinated from a disease, just like so many other diseases we are already vaccinated yeah. for. And we are being told that, oh, if we don't want to get sick, we should stay home. Rather than uh, just doing something simple like checking vaccination status for an event, which yeah. uh, I I am hoping to do for this upcoming Drunk PowerPoint. Yeah. And saying, hey, you put in an effort so that your friends are protected, you have accomplished your responsibility. Here's access to the fun things. Yeah, yeah. That is what personal responsibility, in my mind, should be about. And growing up Christian and conservative in this fear of government situation, I do actually understand the mindset that, oh, they're making me do it? They're make it they can just make me do things now? They can, uh, what else will they make me do? Who knows? Living you know, in a society, I, I do what you get are that. To do. I am anti-authority at heart, and I think sure. like that a part of that comes from my my upbringing of anti-government stances. And, and there's totally valid elements in that. Like you know, you should have say over what happens to your body. Yeah, uh, it's odd hearing that from a Republican, but yeah. Well, <laughs> let's be consistent in what we say. But yeah. Uh, but ultimately, we are all part of a big society unit, and you can't just separate yourself out from that. No matter how you slice it, you exist because other people are on the earth doing their part, too. Yeah. 
So as a, as an entertainer, as a performer, as a, as a producer of shows, what are you looking at? Like, what are you thinking? What is your mindset now with the, the Delta variant uh, seeming to become a real Goliath? Uh, that is a hell of a question, and I am currently grappling with that. So uh, we are planning to have the next Drunk PowerPoint on the 20th of August. Uh, yeah. Friday the 20th of August. What a great time to plug the show, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, panic. <laughs> Come to my show. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, sorry, dude. No, no. Uh, it's it's an important thing it's to important ask. It's important to know that you're going to do it safely. If we're going to be there, you're going to yeah. be actually putting thought into how to do uh, it safely, and that is really comforting. I definitely didn't want to have a uh, hundred people in a small room up until the point where vaccinations were widely and freely accessible because th I felt that was irresponsible. And, yeah. And, and I totally get people who are doing things because they can't not do them. They will not be able to put food on the table if they just pull away from the, the society. Yeah. I feel like enticing people out As into an, an unsafe organizer, event. I have some responsibility to yeah. the people who are coming to my event. Yeah. Uh, and at the As very a bringer. Least, um, I really wanted to make sure it was a vaccination-only space. That way I can have pretty decent certainty that the people who come and enjoy my show, who I care about to different degrees, but I do care about them even if I don't know them, Yeah, to know that even in a worst case let's say that something gets transmitted between us, we are all vaccinated and we aren't going to be hospitalized. Yeah. I hope that everybody who's going out and everybody who's going to shows are vaccinated and are encouraging their families and people they encounter to be vaccinated. Yeah. But then the open question is, uh, where do we draw the line? Where is our responsibility to others? And yeah. Should I be doing this at this time and right. that's something i'm i'm actively still kind of considering but i think i just want to encourage anybody going into a, a crowded space like powerpoint you know don't go see your gra unvaccinated grandma the next day yeah yeah uh, for sure but man delta I, I had it all set up i had everything set up with a vaccination only situation <laughs> i published the event and then like the next day i start hearing about transmissions through vaccinated individuals yeah and so yeah frustrating being in an environment where you can't anticipate the next step so like yeah. i completely sympathize with a lot of people in the industry not exactly knowing how to handle things but you got to at least do your due diligence you yeah. got to make sure you're not enticing people to come into a situation where they themselves could be hospitalized during yeah um but yeah it's it's a food on the table situation and comes down to our our leaders failing us which is a weird and sad thing to say yeah it, well yeah i don't want to get in too deep into the weeds and politics but like i feel like uh our with the leader we've had for oh, the past the four years it's, the wrong time it's wild we just got deep into it and now you're trying to get out no I, yeah yeah i mean i don't think anybody that listens <laughs> to this show has any illusions as to where i stand on things yeah yeah but uh yeah i've pretty much lost all faith in uh in uh american politics at this point man it's been a shit show for a while yeah it's been a shit show for a while and it's 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 really sad but like on the local level 
on the local level here, we have our own, you know, environment that we have to deal with. And, and, it, and it seems like even here on the local level, you know, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's bars in town, you know, on social media using the word scandemic, you know, and, and, and yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I, and I'm like pretty vocal are, are about that. The same bars that are pretty into barbiturate use. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is... Uh, I'm not naming any names. This is not a good venue. Fuck Scully's. I don't even give a shit. <laughs> Honestly, fuck Scully's. Like, I just thought about it. I'll edit it later if I need to. <laughs> don't go to fucking Scully's. They do not deserve your money, Ugh. okay? That's my opinion. Deal with it. That's also my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like, bars using this terminology and shit, and then, you know, the, the people that they're now, like... Their, their audience that they've developed is now the type of people that now that they're saying, hey, things are getting dangerous enough for them to be alarmed. Their audience that they've, you know, uh, that they've developed is saying, fuck you, Scullies. Oh, you don't want us, you know, you, you want us having a vaccine card to come to your shows? Fuck you. We're not ever, we're not supporting you now. And I'm kind of like, okay, good. Because no one else is supporting them. You know what I mean? The only people supporting them are the ones that, that would say that. Yeah, it's, but I don't know, man. In my head, it is, it is a thing that you can get casually for free in your off time, and there's really very little barrier to entry. So asking that of your clientele currently, like you know, it it would have been different in March. Yeah, you know, but now you go to Kroger, get your shot. Yeah, the end. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so simple, but I, I get that there's a lot of confusion because there's a lot of conspiracy theories and oh, bullshit out there, there's right? There's so much bad faith discussion being yeah, had, and yeah. it's, it's hard to tell one from another. In fact, none of us are immune to propaganda or misinformation. Absolutely not. Uh, there's a video going around Facebook right now where, uh, you know, the uh, Frontier Airline um scuffle that happened a rowdy passenger was uh just being abusive to the flight staff yeah and there was a video to the chair oh okay i i've heard of this there's an interview going around that actually a comedian spliced himself into a newscast where he is he's playing the the airline attendant and it's hilarious (laughs) okay it's it's really well done but like so many of my actual friends are sharing it on facebook as if it's the real thing like it's true oh no (laughs) and like you know it's hard to parse that information yeah fucking strange society where entertainment and spin and politics are all being blended together every day yeah yeah. and, and and it's so important to keep in mind that none of us are above that and i think that 100 yeah. temper expectations it's not like every liberal friend we have is like immune to being duped and yeah. it's only conservative individuals who are falling for fox's oh, shit i'll tell you what like coming from the fox angle growing up conservative being that person i was very very much wrapped up in the ideology i was very much wrapped up in all of the tropes that you see if if i was still in that i would have definitely been an anti-vaxxer at this point Oh, they're trying to control us. That's who I was back then. So I can see myself being that now. Of yeah. course, I changed since. So I, I got I cut it off the pass. But I totally see that. And when I did have my big change and I started seeing, man, all this stuff was bullshit I believed in. I also kind of was able to see the the left's bullshit and some of the magical thinking that is like, you know, because you the anti-vaxxers are on the left, too. Oh, oh, sure. A yeah. lot yeah. of anti-vaxxers are leftists. Yes. 
Um, so, so there's a lot of that same thinking that's on the left side of the aisle as well. And, and, and I, and I, and I saw that too, because I think it was a little bit easier for me to, because I was a man without a home, you know, I, now I, you have such a big, big house. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. So terrible. <laughs> but it, it, to me, it's just so important. Uh, the thing that we should all be keeping in mind is that as we grow our community, we want to be able to bring more people into it. And the more people that are brought into our community, the more they'll see uh, our side of things. I think that if, you know, it's the whole argument about liberal college uh, agendas. Yeah. It's not about what the colleges teach. It's about being exposed to so many new people and new mindsets. Yeah. And yeah. You, oh, yeah. And once you dive into that pool, you can't help but see the other side of the coin. Uh huh. And it's so huge. And that the is reality so is that we are all connected, and we can't just stand alone and stand off. Yeah. And that wins people over. Connection with others is what brings us together and wins people over. Uh, <laughs> that's for, yeah. That is that, yeah. that's the uh, that's the honest to god like biggest point ever. And that is that's just the goal with with things that I want to do. And hopefully it yeah. seems like a thing that you're trying to do too, is to try to get the people who aren't engaged with community, aren't engaged with uh, entertainment and bring them in. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Well, I just, yeah, I, I see, you know, all these people out here spending money on these big poppy uh, names and shit. And like, there's so much money going to these shows. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, Oh, you want to, you want to listen to uh fucking uh, Taylor Swift. You like that Taylor Swift shit. I'm willing to bet that you would fucking love effie you know like yeah there's so much good local talent in columbus where if you're only coming in to see uh, uh, touring acts uh you really need to just go see some of the good local show i mean you know there's a couple lackluster local shows but like we have solid local musicians and comedians yeah where if you're paying like you're saying five times as much money to see a touring act you can come in for 10 bucks see some great comedians see some great music and it'll help, you know, ground you in your community a little bit better. Yeah. And, and like, you know, you can go and see these amazing bands. Like, the first band I fell in love with in Columbus was uh, Forest and the Evergreens. This would have been yeah. around 2010 or so. Yeah. I saw a number Forest of Forest and the Evergreens. They were so great, you know. And, and, and you know what else, though? Like, you could go and drink a beer with them after the show. <laughs> and they were so fucking good. They were so good, you know? And I was like, what is this? This exists? Like, and then I would go to work and people are like, yeah, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This band is amazing. And there's so many bands like that, you know? And I wor I've worked with so many now and they're just, you go out and they're all over this city and yeah, they're I mean, great. And wanna... like you said, they're not all, you know, 100% rock star level. No. You know, they're all on their journey at the path where they're learning and growing. Yeah, and, and if I could hype one thing that's going to come out probably a day after this broadcast, uh, Hype Level Midnight featuring Stonecraft at Woodlands Tavern is going to be a great show, and I want to see you there. Hell yeah, definitely do that. I'll put that in the show notes, but... Uh... Dude, it has been such a good time having you on uh, Lampshade Media Presents Smells Big Big House. Yeah, thank you. That is a terrible name, and uh, <laughs> I really you're, hate it whenever you say it. You're really sticking to that, man. I really kind of thought it would grow on you by the uh, by the end of the episode, but you have <laughs> consistently, consistently really stuck to the adversarial relationship I'm of that name. nothing if not consistent, Mel. <laughs>
well then i mean what do you got dude because like i'm, I'm not gonna go fucking nameless well i mean i, I think that <laughs> given the environment we're still in right now how about uh in parentheses covid unparentheses shots with friends <laughs> yes that you know because i'm only assuming that this uh covid thing is gonna be forever oh i'm gonna make knows. that my name forever okay shots for the rest friends. of my life covid shots with friends is uh is the is the deal that is the deal okay <laughs> You know what? You know, every time, you know, this happens, I'm always amazed, but like, I'm so sure. I'm so fucking sure that this name is going to work. <laughs> and then, you know, somebody just talks sense to me like you just did. And, and now I know that I'm on the right path, you Whenever know, and I'm 100% it. confident that this is the one. I'll be the angel on your shoulder, buddy. Yeah. This is the name that's going to take me. You know, this is going to take me to the fucking future. I love this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I mean, Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on the other side of the coin for a second here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I have enjoyed this a lot. I was really looking forward to it, man. Yeah, yeah. And and shots with friends. Just think about it. It's about community. It's about getting together, and it's about vaccinations. Hell yeah, we're into all of that. What have we learned today, kiddos? Oh, uh, we have learned a that I have a delightful speaking voice. I have learned B, uh, that we are part of a society and we have responsibilities to each other, not just ourselves. Oh, oh. And we have learned C, that drunk PowerPoint is happening August 20th at Cafe Kerouac. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and I guess D, uh, talk to Mel or myself if you uh, want collaboration on your projects because we are here for you. Yes, yes. We support our scene. We support our people. Actually, uh, Jordan Reinhardt just hit me up recently. She's doing a uh, an open mic at JD's in Worthington. Hmm. She uh, she hit me up. She wants to do some promo for that. Come to record something. So, you know, I hit up another buddy of mine that wants to work on his production skills. And I'm like, hey, you guys could work together and make some content. I'll provide my my space and shit. I don't have time to do a lot of work on it. But, it, like, you guys can use my tools and you can work together and make some shit, you know. And that's just kind of like you do what you can, you know. You can't yeah. do everything. But when you're working together, like, you can make a lot of fucking shit happen. And, and to be honest, you know, you you helped me when I was starting this podcast in that very way. Yeah, and that's the great thing about the collaboration aspect. Like, not only does it uh, connect people together, but it, it makes the job easier. Like, involving other people, adding perspectives, it lightens your load, and it helps us all produce a better product. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that that are on the same level as me, for example, or on the same level as you or you in the audience where where we all are on the same uh, point in our climbing the ladder or our journey on the path where we can help each other at that point in that journey. Like, for instance, I'm not going to get Alexis Nelson to help me with uh, with social media right now. You know, she's a little bit, you know, past my level. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of people now. in town that might be able to help me with social media that are on my level, you know, and we can totally. work together and really do cool, fun shit. And we can make cool shit that people want to listen to. And then when you get to the point where you're a pro, you teach the next level of people yeah. how to do things. And then yeah. they're the pros and so on and so on. The circle they- of life. They tell two friends, and they tell two friends. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for giving me this new brand. Appreciate it. I love you so much. That's fine. I'm here for you. I <laughs> I can make things happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We, we've made things happen in the past, and it's been fun. Yeah. Cheers, Mel. All right. And uh, and I'm I'm holding you to this. I'm going to hear that fucking uh, episode, that pilot. Oh, you you will. Whether it be in three months or three years, you will hear I'm going to hear that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, man. Thanks. Bye. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden. March 2nd, March 3rd, March 